experience is a learning experience, including LSD. There's no such thing as a flashback, Danny. You need to get a job so that you can curb this free-form anxiety of yours. WCBN FM Ann Arbor. It's Freeform! 88.3 Anya Tosta. From the campus of the University of Michigan, streaming live on the web at wcbn.org, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The views and opinions expressed on WCBN Public Affairs programming are solely those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily represent those of WCBN as a whole or the licensees of this station, the regents of the University of Michigan. The following is an encore presentation of Closets Are for Clothes. I would say we probably hug a little bit more. Uh, I'd say the gay football team is more affectionate uh, just because we're not scared to show that we care for each other. So it is that they are being married today by the authority that comes from within the two of them to declare themselves wed to one another. And that, perhaps is the best and most important authority of all. Good evening and welcome to Closets Are for Clothes. I'm David Christopher Meitzer. We're broadcasting from the Student Activities Building at the campus of the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. On this episode of Closets, we'll be talking about family-friendly football, and later we'll be listening in on two guys getting married. Flag football is a variation of American tackle football, and it's popular worldwide. The basic rules of flag football are similar to those of tackle football, but instead of tackling players to the ground, the defensive team must remove a flag or flag belt from the player carrying the ball. The local group here is the Michigan Panthers, and I met up with them during one of their team get-togethers. Tell me about why you decided you wanted to join a gay football team. Because uh, there wasn't any other ones at this point yeah. in Michigan. Physical activity. Be a part of a brotherhood. Uh, are there any straight guys on your team? Straight guys? Yeah. Two. And can you tell by looking at them? They're, straight uh, they're just like all of us, I guess. We, okay. Are you saying you can tell by looking at us? Yeah, well, they're just like us. What's gay about the team? Nothing. Why is it a gay football team? Why does it have to be a gay labeled gay football team? We're going to get political here. Hold up. <laughs> why do we have to be labeled gay? Why can't we just be a football team and everyone play together and live in harmony? Why do we have to say straight? We say straight football. It's just football. And now this is a flag football team, and I made the mistake earlier of asking about your helmet. No, we don't wear helmets. We just wear shorts and T-shirt. And flag. Now, are they are they rainbow flags? No. No, no they're solid color. You've, you've all played regular football, the tackle football? Some of us, some of us haven't. Are you experienced uh, in football or other sports or what? I am, personally. Some of us. Uh, you some, are. Well, yeah, some of us learned after joining the team. So how does somebody who's not familiar with football <laughs> jo- like play on the team? Come to a practice 
That's all you have to do is come to a practice. A what, what happens during a practice? Do you just keep playing games over and over? No, we uh, drill, do fundamentals, plyometrics, yeah. breakdown drills, running drills, catching drills, pulling flag drills, run plays, work on defense, work on offense. How many people are on the team right now? 19. 20. So where do you play? Uh, we play in Ann Arbor and Livonia. Ann Arbor and Livonia? And is that your plan to keep playing in Ann Arbor and Livonia? You're going to branch out? Is it a, do, you, do you play national games at all? Well, no, we play tournaments too, but practice in Ann Arbor and Livonia. Uh, we play international, actually, during the gay games. So you played at the, uh, the last gay games. So what was that like playing with, with uh, you know, your, uh, basically it's a worldwide event? Yeah, I played at several, so I went to the one in Australia as well, 2002. So you're a serious flag football player. I play basketball, so that's... Like you weren't part of the football team? They didn't have a football in Australia. They had soccer, but not And American I play with football. them because they don't have a football team in Texas, so I come up from Michigan and play with them. Now, how do your teammates differ from basketball to football? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you guys? Bigger yeah. guys. Different, different type of athlete. Yeah. Shorter? No, no not, not necessarily. Just a different build, different mentality, different function. How does a football player prepare physically before a, a practice or a game? Stretching. Like going going out going out to a buffet maybe? <laughs> going out to a buffet? No, this is not normal. This is the first time we've uh, everyone has got together. He's from uh, Texas. He's from Mississippi. These guys live like Ypsilanti area, and he lives in Chicago, Arvin Hills area, Royal. So we're all from all over. We just kind of get together at different times. What would you say to somebody who doesn't normally want to go to a flag football game? They like tackle football, and flag football might seem something less aggressive, is it? No. Well, we've had a guy pull his, uh, what muscle was that in his knee? Uh, uh, break his knee? Yeah, well, he's Pretty kind much. of broke every tendon in his knee. We've had a guy break his ribs. I mean, so it's break just fingers. I've had broken fingers. It's very physical. And I mean, the flag football is not something for them. They have gay rugby. They can always play gay rugby. So where do the, how do the injuries happen if it's flag football? Because don't you just pull out a flag to, to center tackle? The injury would happen in any, any other sport. I mean, you can get injured People running. Run you can get other. injured. People fall down and, and crash. And not wear the helmet. I mean, it's completely non-contact. There is con some contact. Sprained ankles. People yeah, have turned their ankles. There's a lot ankles. of blocking motion. There's a lot of hands blocking, body, you know, body blocking. Are there cheerleaders on a flag football team? <laughs> Not ours. <laughs> Are you a cheerleader? No. Do you want to be a cheerleader? We're still looking for cheerleaders. <laughs> so, moral support. Describe a cheerleader for me. What would that be in a flag football team? Because a, a, a tackle football player seems to be a little different than a flag football player. So. Well, you know, in the college level, they have both male and female cheerleaders, so, and it, it could be either way. Anybody are, that comes and cheers? Are females allowed on the flag football team? Uh, yes, they are. Do you have any now? Uh, we don't have. We have one who played with us before. Uh, New York has a transsexual who plays with them. Um, so, yeah, we, we let everybody play. Is there one team for every state, or, or how's the team break down across the country? Uh, Chicago has a huge league, I, dozens of teams, New York, L.A. Uh, the, the bigger cities have leagues with lots of teams in them. Some of the other places have one to like us. And then there's, you have a small number. You're always looking for more members. Yep. We're hoping to get enough people so we have two teams and we can play each other. We can grow and have a lot of fun. You have a website? We do. It's www.michiganpanthers.org. Michiganpanthers.org. Okay. And when is your next big competition? 
At the end of June in Chicago, we have Pride Bowl, uh, which will probably have about 20 teams uh, Friday and Saturday before the Pride March. Then Atlanta is hosting a tournament on Labor Day weekend, and the Gay Bowl is in Washington, D.C. the second weekend of October. So how long have you all been playing on the team? Uh, this is my first season. Um, I've never played flag football before. Just football? Nope. I played sports. I played lacrosse uh, in high school, and I played like tennis. And what soccer. moved you to foot switch to football? Well, I, I, try, I tried um, I tried softball league, and it, that, that wasn't that didn't work out so well. So I tried a little bit something a little bit more aggressive. So went to the flag football, and it worked out a lot better. So flag football is a notch up in aggressiveness than than softball. Yeah, yeah. For somebody that's six five and two hundred fifty pounds, yeah, it works out a little bit better. And, and so your physique is, is good for flag football, even though there's, it's not really tackle? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I make a better door than a window, so trying to run through me is kind of hard. And so I see, I see someone here next to you who's smaller than you, and so you're a blocker? Yeah, I usually, uh, I usually block or I play linebacker, um, and then he usually uh, rushes. So. And what's that like? Uh, just, you know... Going after the the guy throwing the football, so going after. The You're always going after the guy carrying the ball, and you got to rip his flags out. Yeah. You have to do both or just one. Well, you're not going after the ball itself. You're going after the flag because you're not. It's non-contact. So, yeah. Is that disappointing at all that you can't contact somebody and tackle them? No, there there is contact when you're like when you're uh, a corner and you're blocking them. You can block for the first five yards, so there is contact. You just can't tackle. Do you sometimes feel like you're losing, you're missing out on the experience if, if you can't tackle somebody and throw them to the ground? No. You can. How's that? You just get a penalty. You just get a penalty. <laughs> so describe describe a penalty for me, like uh, a. Ten yards or a possession. Or your, your teammates wouldn't like that very much. Some do, some don't. But that's the point of playing football, right? Some people need to get tackled. Some people need to get tackled. Some people need to get tackled. Uh, on the other side. On the other side. What would cause somebody to, to get that kind of uh, intention? Uh, scoring five touchdowns. <laughs> no, usually, um, I don't know, usually anything that, uh, that, that warrants um, more of an aggressive tactic. Now, tell me about the camaraderie. So you guys, this is your first time out as a team celebrating and everything, getting ready and socializing? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun meeting new people, getting out. It's, it's really great, actually, just to to get out on a Saturday and, and play, just run around in the sun. Um, it's, it's a great bunch of guys, so it's, it's pretty cool to just get outside and, and just be active and do something. Are there any special rules on a gay football team that, like, say, no one can be in a relationship with another player? <laughs> no, I, I think there are some inter-league uh, or inter-team relationships going on, so... Right now at this table? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> There's a couple. They're dating. Does that sometimes cause some extra friction on the team? Because you wouldn't see that in a traditional tackle football team. No. I don't think. Maybe uh, there, maybe you would. I don't think it would cause any problems. I mean, they're on the same team. So we're all you're you're same assuming team. that gay people can't play tackle football. So in tackle football, there are gay people in the NFL. So uh, what were your what's your sports history? Um, I grew up. I was a runner, and I wrestled in high school. I played volleyball in college and dove and. Played some uh, flag football for Michigan State when I was a student up there, so just kind of was looking for something to do, and so thought I'd give it a try. And how long have you been with the team? This is my first year. So you're both, both first-year guys? 
Do you now as yeah now so the freshmen need a special being taken care of, taken under the wing, make sure they don't get injured, make sure they get the rules down, that kind of thing. Um, the rules are all, are, tend to vary a little bit from league to league, so the rules tend to be a little bit of an issue. But they're bright guys; they pick up per, uh, on those pretty quickly. How can the rules be different from league to league if you, you guys got to play other teams? Um, yes. Uh, there, there's small variations. The, the gist is pretty much the same, but people have different rushing rules, um, minor differences on how much contact is allowed on the line of scrimmage, uh, if you can bump receivers or not. So it, it just takes a little bit of adjusting. So it's very complicated. Like you got to like go over rules like before you play a, a team. Um, absolutely. In fact, football has more rules than any other sport. So Ch Chicago is very meticulous about rules. They have about a one-inch thick rule book. Um, most of those rules are the same as in the gay games and gay bowl. But like I say, there are a few ver varieties, and it also tends to change a little bit from year to year. So we experiment with with different things. Uh, tell me, tell me how you size up your teammates on, on your opposing teammates. That is, how do you decide your gameplay based on what you're seeing in the other team? Offense, we have our own plan, no matter who. So you have a generic plan? Yeah, we'll improvise during a game, but it's usually the same game plan. Defense, we just wait and see how they play. What, uh, what do you have in the way of spectators? Do you have a lot of people in the stands, and do you, do you like that a lot? It depends what city it's in. Where do you find your better crowds? Dallas had crowd. New York had some crowd. Like did too. They had quite a bit. They had the whole stands in the back. Um, they just they hear about it from the local postings and stuff like that. Really exciting to be playing in front of a big crowd, and they're all cheering for you. Against you. Or? <laughs> In Salt Lake, we played the Utah team, so they were the home team, and they brought the big crowd. So uh, we were play they were cheering for the other team, but we're used to that. Tell me about the uniform you guys have. What, what is a what is a flag football uniform? Because I'm thinking of tackle football, and there's a lot of plastic, a lot of padding, a lot of wrappings, shirt, <laughs> flags. No pockets on your. Basically, shorts. what you're wearing right now. Pretty well. You can't have pockets. No pockets. There are some pretty special fashion rules. There, there, there is, um, a, um, there is a, a standard uniform for flag football. There's a, a national football flag football league. Um, there's rules online. You can go online and Google uh, flag football and get the rules. And then uh, when you get in the gay league, it's a, there's some variations. Um, but no pockets because they can get ripped. You can rip off um, pockets and stuff like that. We have stripes. Are stripes okay? We actually use an NFL-style jersey and shorts. What's that? What's that? What kind of jersey? An NFL-style jersey. So it is an official NFL jersey. Uh, they're customized for us, and we have shorts that go with them. So we look like a team. So you have like uh, so you, there's your name is on your jersey and everything. That's right. Do you each have numbers, names, and numbers. How do the numbers work out? How do you get assigned a number? You ask for it. Like for nine different numbers. Obviously, the, the existing numbers we. One, two, three were taken. So, uh, any number that's available, first come, first serve. How about like 75, 35, 6? Uh, 6 is available, 35 as one long number. Uh, too, many no too many numbers. Uh, we go 0 through 99. What if you have more than 99 players? Uh, that would be a great problem to have. <laughs> that would be a great problem to have. So what are your plans? You're gonna you're gonna try it out for a, a year, or, or how how are you going to see if the team is right for you? Well, I, I really actually I really liked it. I, I I really like playing it so far. I, I feel like that's something a sport that I can actually play. I, I'm actually moving to Orlando, so Orlando. There's a Florida team so far, but we're trying to maybe uh, hopefully I'll be able to start one in Orlando. 
Um, and either that or I'll travel up to Atlanta. And then D.C. in October has the, the gay bowl. Uh, a lot of congressmen in that one? Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I heard, I've, heard, I've heard rumors. <laughs> yeah, the Washington Monuments. That'll be interesting. Hey, is there any special design for a flag football ball, or is it this tra tra traditional same ball? A football's a football. Big skin's a big skin. What about uh, celebrations of teams, uh, a gay football team different at all? I would say we probably hug a little bit more. Um, <laughs> a, a little bit more butt slapping. Um, actually, I'd say with the camaraderie after the game, it's very intense during the game with the other teams sometimes. Um, once the game's over, everybody's all hugs with the other team. We go out, everybody So would you say that a flag football team, or let's just say a gay football team, is more affectionate? Uh, I'd say the gay football team's more affectionate. Uh, just because we're not scared to show that we care for each other. And a yeah, traditional tackle straight team is? Um, well, in a traditional straight team, you generally don't want to be suspected of being gay. Um, we've, we have some people in the league who've played professional football before. His fear always was, you know, if anybody thinks he's gay, even on his team, he's not going to make it to game day because his own team will take him out. So, so you can never be too gay, or you can never appear to be gay on a straight team. Affectionate in football world means gay. Uh, it could. De depends on the locker room. Do you have any straight football experience? Uh, a little bit, but not, not not at the professional level. You were never affectionate on that team? Uh, generally, no. Because you didn't want to be considered gay? Uh, no, there were a bunch of guys in my, uh, a bunch of my teammates who were kind of homophobic. <laughs> And I just always said, you know, that's not, it's not a place I want to go. How do, the, uh, how do the showers work out after a uh, workout or game? They're very slippery when wet. We actually don't have showers. Shower experience? I, I shower in my home by myself. I shower daily. I shower daily at home. I shower daily. It really, I mean, people might be very disappointed to hear that we don't have showers, but we have enough fun with that. It's not that kind of league. It's, it's not a bathhouse league. <laughs> On the field. The team, Michigan Panthers, Michigan's gay flag football team. They took second place at the 2006 Chicago Gay Games in the rec division. And uh, they took sixth place at the Pride Bowl of 2008, winning the first ever overtime game. Uh, the 2009 Gay Bowl 9 will be in Washington, D.C. on October 9th to 11th. Uh, you can get on their website at michiganpanthers.org. They have a fan email list. You can subscribe there, and they're also seeking players and expansion teams in the Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Ontario, and Pennsylvania area. Next, a section of Nine Mile Road in Ferndale was blocked off for celebration. It was Motor City Pride. Let's listen to a bit to some sounds from On the Scene with eyewitness Mary Fraser. So here we are in downtown Ferndale. There's nothing I love more than seeing families and couples walking around holding hands. And the cute dogs. There's a great turnout. It's overcast today, but there's some sun shining through here and there. And it has not begun to rain yet, so that's awesome. There's even people with snakes walking around. That's a bit bizarre. But, you know, we have people of all kinds tonight. 
vendors today, a bit of carnival food and lemonade, but also the stores of the area have special vending and tents set up outside. Sounds from Motor City Pride. You're listening to Closets Are for Clothes from the Gay Radio Collective. Next is the book report from Keith Orr. Thank you, David. This is Keith Orr. Today I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Wade Rouse. And time was that uh, um, people wrote memoirs because they were famous. Um, Now, of course, people become famous by writing memoirs. And uh, Wade Rouse is uh, in in that category. Um, we, of course, have several other people in the um, gay community who uh, have become famous for writing memoirs. David Sedaris and Augustin Burroughs come to mind. Um, Wade is uh, has written three memoirs. Uh, the first one is called America's Boy. It was uh, a very successful memoir about um, growing up in the Ozarks. Not an easy thing for a uh, little gay boy to do. Uh, his second one is Confessions of a Prep School Mommy Handler about his uh, time at a fictitiously named but very real prep school called Tate Academy uh, and his job. Uh, pretty much a PR job um, that is all about taking care of the mommies and alumni. And finally, the uh, his uh, memoir that just came out is called At Least in the City Someone Would Hear Me Scream uh, this is the book he'll be reading from on Saturday uh, it is a book with Michigan connections because it's the story of his move to um, rural Michigan after living in the big city uh, he moved to Fenville, Michigan which is close to Saugatuck, um, a little bit inland of there in the Fen Valley. Uh, it's been getting wonderful reviews. Uh, kind of funny because at least a couple of reviewers have uh, uh, mentioned Green Acres in it. Um, the author of The Year of Living Biblically, A.J. Jacobs, um, writes, In At Least the City Someone Would Hear Me Scream, Wade Rouse's inner Eddie Albert does battle with his inner Eva Gabor. I won't tell you who wins, but the fight is immensely entertaining. And uh, then um, 
Jen Lancaster, who's a best-selling author, um, uh, Pretty in Plaid and other memoirs, writes, Somewhere between Thoreau's Walden Pond and Oliver Douglas's Green Acres lie, lies Wade Rouse. Um, so anyway, it's uh, very, uh, as I say, I have not read this yet because it literally just came out. Talk to you next week. Keith Orr speaking about author Wade Rouse. Common Language Bookstore is on the web at uh, glbtbooks.com, and their phone is 734-663-0036. As current as the news with the considerations floating about in the United States regarding same-sex marriage and rights, we're going to listen a little bit to a uh, wedding ceremony a little bit later. But I thought I would give you a list as it came off of Sweet101.com of the 10 gay-friendliest places to live. Number 10 is Iceland. Number 9, Sweden. Number 8, Denmark. Number 7, Norway. Number 6, South Africa. Number 5, the Netherlands. Number 4, Belgium. Number three, Spain. Number two, Canada. And if you're in the right state, number one in the United States. That's all from Sweet101.com and the 10 Gay Friendliest Places to Live. As I said, coming up on the program, two guys get married. Ooh, what is it like? I'm David Christopher Meitzler, and you're listening to Closets Are for Clothes. This year at the Pride Rally in Lansing, Michigan, Jocelyn Benson spoke to an eager crowd. Hi, everyone. I'm Jocelyn Benson. I'm running for Secretary of State because the Secretary of State is in charge of making sure the votes uh, are protected. And I've developed a career around protecting voters. And what I want to talk to you about, though, is not about my campaign or anything like that, but about um, where I started my career, which was in Montgomery, Alabama investigating white supremacists and neo-Nazi organizations for the Southern Poverty Law Center. And it was in the late 90s when Matthew Shepard was killed while I was there, and we worked a, a little bit to do some investigating around that. But it, I tell you that because our country has been at its best when it's fought for everyone and has been inclusive. And living in Alabama, investigating white supremacist organizations at the same time there are hate crimes going on around the country uh, against people uh, who have different sexual orientations than uh, perhaps other people in the population made me and many people realize that hate is hate, no matter what. And civil rights are civil rights, period. And that hate crimes are hate crimes, whether they're based on sexual orientation, race, gender, or religion or any other type of qualifications and groupings. So what I'm here to say is that someone who, I'm, I've sort of built my career around trying to figure out how we all can build a civil rights movement. What are our battles today? What are our battles for equality? What are the battles that our ancestors before us in the 1950s and 60s who are standing on a bridge in Selma, Alabama, 
facing down state troopers so that they could win the right to vote for everyone. My quest is to do what I can to continue their battle. And part of that, part of continuing the work of civil rights activists who came before us is fighting for marriage equality for all of us. Because, because our country is at its best when everyone's included, when everyone's voices are heard. We've learned that throughout our history at every point. When women were blocked from voting, women got the right to vote and our country improved. When African Americans were blocked from voting, African Americans earned the right to vote and fought for the right to vote and our country improved. That's why we all need to stand together and recognize that our country will improve, that we will all improve when we all stand together and fight for equality for every single person in this country. But what I really want to say, and this is why I'm passionate about making sure every vote is counted and every voice is heard, because learning from our history, what we know is that it's you all that will make the change. It is you all and all those folks who came before us and marched in those marches and stood in those rallies and stood on those, in those, sat in those lunch counters and, and drove those buses in, integrating in the South and, and walked into those schoolhouses to integrate schoolhouses and pushed for interracial marriage and, and take, tip the battle to the Supreme Court. It's those folks, all of you, who will lead us and the rest of us who want to see these changes and make them a reality. So this rally is about fighting for to support the legislation that we've heard about, but it's also really about you all remaining committed, like I know you are, to fighting for equality because we can see, we can be the change we want to be, we can achieve the change that we want, but we need you all, we need your voices to be heard, we need you to keep marching, we need you to keep fighting, and we need to, you to keep using your voices because your voices are sacred, they're valuable, and your voices are citizens are what's going to make this country better. So I'm, thank you. I'm running for Secretary of State because I want to make sure our system of running elections reflects all of your voices, reflects every single voice and every single citizen in this state. Because the bottom line for me is our state will be better, our economics will improve, our educational system will improve when we're inclusive and when everyone is equally treated under the law. So, but, you know, we're all up here talking about these issues, but my, the bottom line for me is, and I'll say this and I'll end with this, is just that we need all of you. This change will not happen without you, without you talking to your friends, without you building coalitions. That's what has brought change in the past. And we need to reinvigorate and keep fighting and not allow uh, the forces that, that seek to divide us, the forces that seek to tell us that our voices don't matter, the forces that seek to tell us that, well, a majority of the voters in Michigan voted this way in this year, and so it, it can, that's the way it is. We will always fight for equality. We will always stand up for people and for everyone's rights because that is what Americans do. That's what democracy is about. And so I hope that today you leave this rally determined to do and to continue to do the work that you're doing, to fight to get this legislation passed, to fight for a better tomorrow for all of us because our state will be better because of you fighting for all of us. So thank you very much. Jocelyn Benson from earlier this year at the Gay Pride celebration and rally in Lansing, Michigan. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug, flesh shuddering from the ovens, prisoners of the earth, come out, storm the studio. 
Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets, swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingles, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room. Towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Guilt, blast, bound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Back. Return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time, Flack. All pilots, ride pan pipes back to base. Coming directly from the Hilton Hotel. On top of the Hilton Hotel. For your entertainment pleasure. WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you were any further left, you'd be watching TV. Oh, gay football is great. It's just like, I would never play it. I would probably just be like a cheerleader on the sidelines. But I think it's great that gays like to get involved in uh, after-school activities, like football. You're listening to the Gay Radio Collective on 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Write us at closets at gayradiocollective.org. You can also find archive shows on our website or the weekly broadcast on iTunes. Support for WCBN and Closets Are For Clothes comes from the community and listeners like you. Hear WCBN anytime at the website wcbn.org. You're listening to an encore presentation of Closets Are For Clothes.
getting married in general it's no big deal it's great you know to be for everyone i think chris and wayne seem very happy together and i'm very happy for them very uh glad to see uh wayne get so happy don't know chris as well but wayne good friend and uh very happy for him That was Blur and their song, Girls and Boys. Well, next, two Ann Arbor area locals, Wayne Parks and Chris LeBlanc, came together to exchange rings and vows and to be married. The service was officiated by Dr. Terry McGinn, and it took place at Van Buren Park in Belleville. Good afternoon. My name is Terry McGinn. I've known Wayne and Chris for many years, and I'm very honored that they asked me to officiate this afternoon at their wedding service. Twenty-some-odd years ago, a Yale historian named John Boswell discovered in the religious libraries of Europe a series of documents from the late Middle Ages that looked very much like the church's wedding ceremonies from that period, with one exception. The services that Boswell discovered were explicitly written for the unions of either two men or two women. 
The services had scriptures that were specific to whether the union was of men or of women. The scripture that was used for the two men was Psalm 133, which reads like this. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is if, as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Boswell was able to conclude that it was not unusual in the late Middle Ages for the church and its priests to join in unity to men or to women. But as the homophobia of the church grew, eventually those services were driven out of existence and disappeared altogether by the 19th century. So Wayne and Chris stand today at an odd in-between moment in history. They are too late to be married under the authority of the church universal. But they're too early, by perhaps a decade or two, to be married under the authority of the state of Michigan. So it is that they are being married today by the authority that comes from within the two of them to declare themselves wed to one another. And that, perhaps, is the best and most important authority of all. You and I are here today to lend our modest authority to this promise-making, but more importantly, we are here to support them and to celebrate their relationship, a relationship that's filled with trust and sharing, and a relationship that is remarkably lacking in a need for power or control. A relationship that is rich with humor. And in fact, if Chris and Wayne had had their preference, I would have been interjecting more humor into this service today. But I'm not particularly good at that. So the one and only attempt at humor will come in the very last statement of the ceremony. <laughs> to affirm that their lives are now joined together but that at the same moment, each of them remains a unique individual. Wayne and Chris will now light candles, one for each of them, and then a third for their shared life as a couple. At the same time, they help us to think more about the meaning of their relationship by reading passages from Khalil Gibran's book of poetry entitled The Prophet. Should one of the candles blow out, it has no deep symbolic significance. It simply means the wind is blowing. Let each one of you be alone, even as the strings of the lute 
heart alone so they quiver with the same music. Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping, for only the hand of life can contain your hearts. And stand together, yet not too near together, for the pillars of the temple stand apart, and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. And the youth said, Speak to us of friendship. And he answered, saying, Your friend is your needs answered. He is your field, which you sow with love and reap with thanksgiving. And he is your board and your fireside. For you come to him with your hunger, and you seek him for peace. When your friend speaks his mind, you fear not, fear not the nay in your own mind, nor do you withhold the eye. And when he is silent, your heart ceases not to listen to his heart. For without words in friendship, all thoughts, all desires, all expectations are born and shared with the joy that is unacclaimed. When you part from your friend, you grieve not. For that which you love most in him may be clear in his absence, as the mountain to the climber is clear from the plain. Okay. Momentarily, at least. <laughs> Here, we'll let me help. You can borrow my candle. <laughs> The core of any wedding is the promises that two people make to one another. Now as they exchange rings, Chris and Wayne will make statements of commitment to one another. I tried to memorize it, but I'm not that cool. I can have your hand. Wayne. Take this ring as a symbol of my love and devotion. Let the strength of the titanium from which it is made serve as a reminder of the commitment I make to you on this day. I vow to honor, cherish, and respect you and the life that we have built together. I vow that I will strive to be the man I see reflected in your eyes, a better man than I have ever been and still less than you deserve. I vow to be your patience in the face of anger, your light of hope in the shadow of despair. I vow to be your strength and your comfort, your wisdom and your joy, your truth and your compassion. I vow to be your companion and your friend. This I vow to you on our wedding day. As I give you this ring, uh, I, I vow to always consider your point of view. <laughs> I, I vow to 
realize that uh, that that I am sometimes uh, I vow that that our um, that, <coughs> that I will be a football widow uh, when it's the NFL draft and uh, <laughs> and, um, and the Super Bowl. Those of us who are gathered here stand as witnesses that Chris and Wayne have now wed each other. What has been joined here today, let no one put apart. As we celebrate their commitment to one another, Chris and Wayne also want us to remember that all of us have commitments to a variety of people in our lives, our partners, our children, our parents, our friends. And they want us to remember that today is an opportunity for each of us to reaffirm our commitments of love to others, the commitments that make us human and define who we are. Juan, representing family, I'm going to ask you if there are any words you'd like to share with us at this time. Yes, uh, thank you, Terry. Um, this is a very happy day for Linda and I. Um, we're uh, very proud of the, the two boys that we raised up, Matt and Chris, and we're so fortunate to, to have a, a, a third uh, child join us a short time ago, uh, Belinda. We treat her like a daughter. She is a daughter to us. And now on this happy day, we have another son. Uh, Wayne, we'd like to welcome you to the family. And, um, and no matter where you two guys go, We'd like you to know that you always have family and friends who love you and support you. And uh, friends, I'd like you to join me in a toast at this time. And um, to Wayne and Chris, uh, may your marriage be long and healthy and respectful. May you have uh, all the, the wealth and prosperity that you deserve and all the happiness. And um, uh, I, I'm at a loss for words right now, so I'm just going to end this toast and say <laughs> to Chris and Wayne. Thank you very much. Larry, do you want to add anything? It's good to be here this day. something to always think about is that what you do today, what you have done today, is forever. It doesn't matter if 
whatever mechanism it is, it is male, female, male, male, female, female, it is forever. And you've committed that. So that's something to always think about in those good and those bad times. It's <laughs> all of us that go through. So support one another. Continue to be support for each other. And if you need support from family, I'm sure it's there from all of us friends. Call out whatever it is. But God bless both of you. So after I read this Irish blessing, we will become informal again, and Chris and Wayne will greet you informally. But we decided that because I'm Irish, it would be nice to read an Irish blessing at the end, except we found out there are, and I guess this shouldn't have been a surprise, dozens of Irish blessings. So here is the one that Wayne and Chris chose. May you live a long life full of gladness and health with a pocket of gold as the least of your wealth. May the dreams you hold dearest be those that come true. May the kindness you spread keep returning to you. All right, here we go. You may now kiss one another, or as they say at the Indianapolis 500, gentlemen, start your engines. <laughs> Chris LeBlanc and Wayne Parks held at the Van Buren Park in Belleville, Michigan.
That will do it for this edition. Special thanks goes out to the Michigan Panthers for teaching me about flag football. You know, I didn't know you needed a you didn't need a helmet. I thought you needed a helmet. But I figured bicyclists, they wear helmets. Their website is uh, michiganpanthers.org. Also, uh, thanks go out to Dr. Terry McGinn and the newlyweds Chris and Wayne. You can find us on the internet at gayradiocollective.org, wcbn.org, and on iTunes. I'm David Christopher Meitzler. You've been listening to Closets Are for Clothes. We are the Gay Radio Collective. It's about people and it's about the community. It's called Closets Are for Clothes, part of WCBN's public affairs programming lineup. Public Affairs Programming airs Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. You've been listening to an encore presentation of Closets Are for Clothes. Hi, this is Pauline Oliveros. And you're listening to WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. Number nine, 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 number nine. Everyone in the news as time went by, they'd get a little bit older and a little bit slower.